The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. So then, my dear, uh, dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. In the Lord, dear friends, I urge Judea and I urge Sintuke to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have uh, contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of the, my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. In the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. If you guys are taking notes, the title of my message today, I'll give that to y'all for free, is Worry Less and Pray More. Okay, let's pray. So, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people, God. I pray that as I stand up here, Lord, that they would not see me but see you, Lord. Um, so, God, I pray that you would use me as a flawed and broken man, someone who does not have it all together, Lord. Um, so I just pray that those who are here today, God, I know by your sovereignty, God, and by your providence, God, everyone that's here today is not here by mistake. There is a reason why they're here. So, God, as you would use me as your vessel to proclaim your marvelous gospel, I pray that it would take hearts and people's hearts and mind, God, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that people would respond boldly, God, that transformation will begin to take place, God that people would begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, that they would have an encounter with the living God today in Jesus' name. So God, I pray, God, that you would move your weight in this room. God, begin to remind our minds, our thoughts, God. Begin to remind the enemy and kingdom of darkness who you are, God. May we not forget what you've done for us and that we're able to stand boldly, confidently, um, despite what we see with our eyes because of you, Jesus Christ, God. Not in nothing else, but only in you, God. So we rejoice in that. We rejoice in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I thank you, God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable and in your sight. So we ask this all in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right. Y'all may be seated. All right. So today uh, I'm going to talk about how do you have joy in the midst of suffering, pain, and sickness. Just by raising hands, I told you, I'm, y'all gonna interact with me a lot. Raise your hands. How many of you guys have ever felt lonely? Anybody felt lonely? Hey, Amen, look, you're surrounded by the body of Christ. You shouldn't be lonely no more, okay? You got people. <laughs> Anybody ever felt, everyone dealt with suffering, persecution, money low funny? Hey, Amen, that's my season for the last 30 years. Um, you're just dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, and so what I want to do is how, when life begins to hit us hard, how do we find joy in the midst of suffering? I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you, you, you guys, uh, I like to talk to my friends. It's crazy. We talk in memes now. We don't even use language. But uh, 
there's a meme with this dog with a hat and there's fire surrounding him. You ever seen that meme? It's like, oh, everything's going good, but really it's like fire and chaos. So how, when you're, you're in that situation, how can you choose to rejoice? How can you choose to, to uh, celebrate God when things are going bad for you? Maybe you feel like you're here today. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you want, you want to throw in the towel. Maybe your, your marriage is in shambles right now. And you, you know how to speak Christianese. You know what I mean by that? How you doing? God is good. Oh, y'all not? Okay. Yeah, okay. Just check. I don't know. Just make sure God is good. All the time and all the time, you know, I'm blessed and highly praise the Lord. I'm going to pray for you, but you don't ever pray for them. You know what I'm talking about. And so, like, how do you, when you're in that situation, how do you rejoice? How do you get joy? How do you celebrate God when things are not going bad, or going bad in your life? So, and, and maybe you've asked, like, what's the point of everything? Everything is falling apart in my life. Maybe you're here today and that's what you're dealing with. Like, everything is falling apart. My girl left me. I got fired. Pandemic hit. You know, I remember I worked for the San Diego Unified School District, you know, a little my store. I actually went to high school here. Crazy to think about. Back in 2006, 2010, me and my brother over there, um, we, went, we went here, UC for life. And um, so I remember back in March, right, 2020, like who, who would have thought the pandemic was going to hit? I remember being, I worked with the teachers, like, oh, we get an extra week of like, you know, break and then we're going to be back to life. But that has not happened yet, right? <laughs> Then they start throwing masks and mandates and everyone using big words and terminology and I'm confused looking at the news and it's all crazy and, and so like maybe you're still dealing with the ramifications of what happened there, right? You know, and some, some people, because of the pandemic, you know, some, maybe you're able to get away from your spouse, you go to work and now that's shut down. Oops, right? Now you got you to gotta actually do life with people you, you're beefing with and you're dealing. So how do you navigate all this stuff? So what, why even try? And maybe you're here, you felt that way before. And I want to tell you, I know exactly what that's like. Just because I always tell my people, just because I'm up here preaching don't mean I got it all together. I feel like I need Jesus more than you do. Like I agree with Paul, I'm the chief of sinner. Right? Uh, um, so I'm not going to ask you, hey, I'm going to ask you to pray for me. I'm not going to pray for you. You pray for me. I, I need the blood of Jesus every single day of my life. I know how messed up. I like to say I'm ratchet and righteous. I'm saved by grace, but from the south side of heaven. Amen. Um, and you're all free, free to join me. And so uh, I know what it feels like when things are not working out. You, you, you prayed. You planned. Maybe you're like me. You have A, B, C all the way to D. And then when things don't work out, you start to freak out. And so for me... Little my story, like I work for the school district and I work part-time at my church. And usually, it's always funny, like I was talking to Randall, he, uh, we were doing like a little group. Um, it was Joe, me, and Jen Dharma. I like to, y'all know him as Jen Dharma, call him G, my boy. Um, we, we were meeting at Starbucks and we're talking about something. Uh, we're reading a book and then I was sharing something. He's like, bro, you gotta read, uh, preach Philippians. I was like, no, I don't wanna do that, man. Um, because I, I, I know the, the weight of, you know, preaching something that you're not always living faithfully. Right? Maybe you understand that like, God is calling you to do something. You know what you should be doing and you don't do it. And so in this moment, I always, this text, for some reason, God always has me preach from this in a season of what may appear like lacking. And so I work for the school district. We get paid once a month. Praise God, we get paid. Uh, but I'm, I work for 10 months. So that means, if y'all know your math, right, we have 12 months. For two months, I don't get paid. Gas is a million dollars a gallon, <laughs> Right? Um, I'm not married, I don't have kids, but rent in San Diego is extremely expensive. You got gas, you got car, you got bills. I, I come from immigrant family, grew up on Section 8. I can't go mom and dad, ask for money. They actually ask us for money. And so I'm like, God, what, what do I do in this situation? I got to eat, right? I got to survive. And so in this moment, like, how do I choose to rejoice? Well, my bank account is funny. And so in this season, like, right, money's been a little 
flaky. He's been a little funny. He's not acting like I want it to do. And it's going up and, and down. I've been struggling. And despite all of that, um, how things look for you right now, I want to encourage you that God is faithful. Y'all missed your amen moment. Let me repeat that. God, God is faithful. Amen. That's what I like to hear. God is faithful. Even though you don't believe it's not fake to say amen. Sometimes you got to remind yourself. You got to surround yourself. Um, I don't know if you, uh, in, in the gospel of, of Matthew 28, the end, when Jesus is ascension, it says that some people doubted and some worship. It's okay to doubt. God is not afraid of your doubt. Sometimes you need to be surrounded by people who know how to worship. When you can't worship, they can worship for you. They can help carry your burdens. And so that's what I encourage you guys because I'm, I'm still in it. I'm struggling, right? Some of y'all, maybe y'all, anybody in here who is uh, not married and looking to be married? Keep your eyes, look left and right, you know, keep your eyes open, right? <laughs> anybody in here who's not married wants to be married, right? Anybody in here who wants to be married but not dating yet? DM's a little dry, amen? Nobody hitting you up? <laughs> Text messages, you and your mama? That's, ain't nobody, you're struggling. And so in that moment, God has a plan for you. Maybe like, when's my season? You, you hate going to weddings. You're like, when is it going to be my turn? Like, when am I going to get engaged? And you're like struggling. God is good. God is faithful. God will take care of you. The Bible, what God has been teaching me a lot is uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. You're just trusting in Jesus. doesn't mean God's going to give you every step of the way, but trust in him. Allow God to guide you and to lead you. Uh, but again, if I'm being honest here, there are times when I am doubtful. I begin to ask God, why are you allowing this in my life? Right? Not me. I, know if, I don't know if y'all going to be, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes, like, not me, God. Like, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel, Lord. Like, I'm showing up before, I'm here before people show up, and I leave before people leave. Like, I'm doing all this. Not me, God. Like, maybe Ray Ray and them, that's how we talk, sorry. Ray Ray and them in the block. Maybe you do something to them. They're not faithful. They live in, you know, I don't know about you, but there's people who don't love Jesus, getting the jobs that you want having all the stuff that you need. I'm like, God, if you read Old Testament, all the prophets, people complain, right? It's okay. Like, God, how long, oh, Lord, do I have to wait? Every season is going rough. And so I'm, I'm there. I'm like, God, what's going up? What's going on? I'm praying. I'm asking you to show up. God, you're the God. They say, if you have faith small as a mustard seed, I feel like my faith is big as a school, yet you ain't doing nothing. Like, what's up? I don't know if how you pray. I don't pray. Like, you know, people think when Christians pray, we just, dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you, you know? Maybe you pray like that's cool, but you know, when I'm praying, I'm walking back in my room. I'm talking to God like I'm talking to you. I'm like, God, what's up? It's like back and forth. We just talking, right? Prayer is co- relational communication with God. And so I'm like, God, you see what I'm going through, right? And if I'm being honest, maybe you felt this way, like God literally has the power to change our situation. Isn't that crazy? If I saw, uh, uh, I don't have a kid, like if I saw my nephew about to fall off the stage and hurt himself, I could be like, boy, what you doing? I'll grab him. But sometimes God Let's us go through that. I'm like, God, if you're a loving God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Why are you allowing this uh, to me to go through this situation? And so, again, it's hard to rejoice when I'm struggling, when, you know, when the finances are a little funny. You know, be, let, me just, let me just tell you how real it is so I can just kind of set the scene here as I preach from this text. Because I myself, I'm preaching to me before I'm preaching to y'all because I need to hear this first. I often tell my people, preach to your God, the gospel to yourself. You know why? I'm glad you asked. Because no one talks to you more than you do. Did you know that? You talk to, I bet someone in your head, you said, amen. No one talks to you more than you do. You talk to yourself the most. And so what you got to do is preach the gospel to yourself. You got to remind yourself. If your diet for church is on Sunday and whatever midweek service, if you have one, family, I don't know how y'all survive. If I didn't have Jesus and the prayer of my mom, I don't know where would I be. Right? I, I, just, I can't fathom people going through life without Christ. I, I, like, I don't know. 
Like, you know, I'll probably popping Zannies and popping pills, Molly's. I'll be going crazy. But Jesus, by his grace, has still sustained me, even though I'm going through this situation. Many of us struggle. And so, right, bank accounts looking funny just this earlier this month in July, because my last paycheck was in June. I got my tax return. Woohoo! praise God. One of it. And so about $500, I'm like, dope, this is awesome. For the last few months, I needed new tires. I had my car for about three years. I'm like, praise God, God, you provided. Let me go ahead and get these tires. Guess how much the tires cost? $500. Look at God. He's so funny. And so I'm like, wow, had money, money just disappeared, really. And just like, okay, because I drive my nephews and my friends and I want to make sure that they're protected, that I'm protected. So like I need it. I went to Honda. They say you got to change your tires. I'm like, God, I just got this money. I'm thankful that you provided it, but now it's gone. And in those moments, God has always taught me as a young man that only Jesus, God, Christ Jesus is the source. Everything else is a resource. And that's a game changer. If you realize that, the job that you have is from God. Everything comes from him. He's the ultimate source. And so if you begin to place your identity in people, places, your jobs, your careers, your marriages, eventually all that will fall down. Only the name of Jesus is the only thing that's going to stand. Amen. And so let's walk in that. So my prayer today is that we can all, by God's grace, learn to rejoice in whatever circumstances that we find ourselves in. So as we go through our text today, that's what I want to talk about. Right, you will learn to how to live above your circumstances, trusting God in every step we take because that's what God demands from us. Just in case you didn't know, maybe someone preached the gospel, told you all oh, your life is going to get better. That's not true. Jesus himself promised you, if you know the Bible, y'all can say it with me, in this life you will have trials and tribulation. No one ever says amen on that. But mature audience, well, let's try that again. In this life you will have trials and tribulation. Amen. Receive that. It will have, not, not, not if, maybe, it, you will. If Jesus Christ himself suffered and died on the cross, who are we to think that we're not going to go through nothing? You will experience, not to the extent everyone will experience the same thing, but you will experience trials. You will have your own battles that you got to fight with. And so I think no one other than Paul, the Apostle Paul, is right, able to write this text because he's actually living this out. Right, Paul is writing this, if y'all know, maybe you did the background of this, uh, this text. Like, Paul is writing this from prison. Isn't that something? Most of us, but we won't even, first of all, we won't even go to jail for our faith. We quiet. We, at work, you know, maybe you're like me. I used to see in these hallways, when I used to eat lunch, I used to be like, Jesus' name, amen, eat my food. Like, I was, real, I was not bold enough. Some of us, we don't talk to our coworkers at work. We're not bold. But Paul was someone who standed up for the gospel, right? Paul's life, Jesus even told him. You have been set apart for my sake, and you must suffer much for me. That's not a good job description. I thought I would have ran away. But God has called him to that. He understood something. And one of Paul's prominent themes in this book is to have joy. But the question that begs to be asked is, how do you have joy when everything is going horribly wrong? Just how? how? And Paul has the secret sauce, as we like to call it. Like how? Paul knows, right? He, he's someone who's able to talk about this. He's been shipwrecked, right? Like Paul's, he preaches the gospel, gets locked up for doing, you know, and sometimes when I get upset when I read the Bible, if like if you read Acts, like God calls, he gets a message in Acts 16 to go preach the gospel to these Gentiles. He does what God calls him to do. Guess where he ends up? In prison. I don't know about y'all. I, I like to interact when I read the text. I'm like, well, hold up, wait up, God. Like you literally tell him Paul to do this thing and he ends up in jail. Sometimes you know you're in the will of God when things like that happen, when you're being persecuted. Now, don't be a jerk for your faith, right? Don't be rude to people. 
love them, speak God's truth to them. And Paul, yeah, he ends up in jail and he writes this wonderful letter that we all know, right? Many famous passages that come out of this text. He begins to write this. And so what does our witness look like to the rest of the world when everything is falling down, when everything's just not looking good? Uh, if you read it, take time, read Acts 16. Paul gets locked up. It's in the midnight hour. He begins to worship. Or he begins to worship, he begins to magnify God, not, not looking at his problems. Like, I don't know if I'm even bold uh, or uh, mature enough to do that yet. He's locked up. This ain't, like, jail in America is a blessing. You go to the gym, amen, you can get a job, get, you can make license. Paul is locked up in Grecian Roman culture. Like, they tortured you. Ain't no lights in there. You, you, not, they don't care if you got to use the bathroom. Like, he got beaten and, and he's writing these by the Holy Spirit of God leading him. He's telling these brothers and sisters to, uh, to rejoice. He's the author of this letter, right? He's, he's in jail. There's nothing. Like, what do you do to a man who knows that their identity is in Christ alone? There's, there's literally, what if we live like that? There's nothing that you can do to Paul. Paul, we're going to lock you up. Amen. Everybody getting saved in jail. Okay, like, oh, what you going to, you know, we're going to kill you. Okay, to live as Christ dies. Like, what you going to, there's nothing literally you can do. We'll kill everybody. Amen. And so because he knew that he did not hold on to this world, but he was held by Christ, and that was his joy. That was his passion, right? That's the destiny. God is the end of all. That's what we want. And so Paul reminds him, be joyful, specifically the joy of serving Christ and having joy. Paul wonderfully reminds us as you read through the book that Jesus' life and ministry is the model for believers to follow, right? Paul follows Jesus. Paul tells us to follow him, but ultimately we look at Jesus, one who didn't have a home, right? Jesus was homeless. That's a, ser- that's a savior I, I serve. He had nothing, and yet he still obediently submitted to the will of the Father, and he gave his life for us, so we have newness of life. Y'all with me? All right, cool, cool. All right, so let's, uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's read the text again, if that's okay. Matter of fact, you know, we'll just, let me give you my point, because I want to, your boy can talk for a very long time, and I don't want to do that. All right, point number one, I think it'll be on the screen. Here's my point if you're taking notes. In order to have unity in the church, we must set aside our personal preferences for the sake of the gospel. So we'll go, if we read verse one, it says, so then my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And so in, in these verses, Paul begins to appeal for steadfast and unity, to stand faithful to the Lord. So his point in his heart in writing this in the first few verses is to the, these believers to remain faithful to the Lord and be united. Be united is a very important thing. It, it, it's interesting to me that when Jesus left the high priestly prayer that is called in John 17, you know what Jesus prays for? That we will be one. Like in the, isn't that crazy? He didn't say that you can walk on water, that you can do miracles. Like imagine if we could do, like, you know, and he prays that you would be one, that we would all have a heart. Like no gospel impact is happening out there because we beefing in here, right? We just got, we come with our own personal uh, preferences. We have our own things that we like, our own comforts. And when someone speaks out against, you know, or something, we just begin to beef. And the enemy is so happy. The first thing that Satan did was cause division and discord. You know that? In, In heaven with the angels, in the Garden of Eden, between man and God, and even in, in the marriage relationship, division, division, he wants to separate us because he knows if we can truly get under the banner of Jesus Christ and live and walk and operate that way in unity, imagine what can happen. Like, imagine what would it really look like if we believed what the Bible says. 
Like when we say amen, we actually says we believe that it can happen, that we walk in that. And so Paul begins, as a, as a pastor, I would say he's speaking these encouraging and loving words to them that they would walk in that. Um, and so he begins to, to talk to them and, and encourage them in these things. And so he gives them a few things, right? He says, so, so then, or maybe other translations might say, therefore. Um, one of my old, uh, oh, I got to fix this. That's, that's why I like the handheld. Y'all, y'all still hear me? I know I'm very loud, so you probably might hear me without this, but okay. It looks a little funny, but I'm, I'm going to go. One of my professors always told me in seminary, whenever you see a therefore, find out why it's therefore. You ever heard that? Okay, so whenever you read the text, just, I'm going to give you a little game. Whenever you see therefore, pause. I'm like, wait a minute. Somebody just dropped a little game for us. We got to go back to the text in context and read what's happening. So he says, so then, or therefore. So this points back to the reasons why we should obey the commands that he's about to give us. So there's three things that I like to point out. We're not going to read it. I'm just going to say it real quick, right? The righteousness that comes from God through faith, and that's a 3-7 through 17. The tr- uh, tragic destiny of the enemies of the cross, 3-18 through 19. The present reality of our heavenly citizenship and expectation of Christ's return to restore all things, 3-20 through 21. So Paul begins to challenge them. And even you can hear the language. Before he does that, he reminds them, like, I love you guys. If you see the language, right, dearly loved or beloved, long for. This is coming from someone who's not angry or upset, but who dearly loves the people that he's, as a pastor, who he loves and cares for and wants the best for them, right? So they would continue faithfully in the walk for, uh, of their faith. And so in this language, you can see a, a sibling family type of a relationship. Do you know that when Jesus Christ purchased us on the cross that we pray, uh, place our faith in Christ alone, through grace alone and faith alone, in Jesus Christ, we get adopted into the body of Christ. We're baptized, one baptism into the faith. And so everybody here, this is your family, Right? I don't care what she's doing. You should care. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. You should care for your family. If someone shows up in here and you don't call them, you don't check up on them, family, we got to do better than that. Like, we should care. This is our brothers and sisters that we do life. And Paul's theology is a lot of framework about uh, familial connections. Right? Most of us maybe don't have a great relationship with your siblings. I understand that. But God wants so much more. And that's why he begins to remind us of, again, these languages that you guys are all children of God. God is your father in heaven. We all belong to one another and that we should operate in a certain way. You should do certain things. You know, at least in my earthly parents' family, but like, I don't care what, uh, what Ray Ray and them is doing outside. But in this house, that's how we talk. In this house, we will serve the Lord. You're not going to do what they're doing. We, we have a different way of doing things. And so God, we don't act like the rest of the world. We act, right? And all this springs from understanding that we have a community, right, that's a gift from God as believers, and we are adopted as his sons and daughters. So we must show one another the same grace as God has shown us. And so in the, when we get in the text, you can see he's reminding them of these things because later on there's two sisters who are beefing with each other in the church, right? Crazy to think. And we still beef it too, right? Maybe some of you guys got issues with people here at home. Before you praise the Lord, make sure y'all deal with that, right? Make sure our hearts is right before we honor the Lord. Because if there's, if, if our horizontal, meaning our relationship between uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, if that's jacked up, oh, believe this, God, you and God, that fellowship is, is going to be broken for a little bit until you restore that. And so we need to be kind and gracious to other people. Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as uh, God also forgave you in Christ. And so he's reminding them of this relationship. Maybe somebody hurt you bad. My professor one time told me, uh, seminaries, a lot of examples that stick out to me there. Like, imagine Jesus on the cross saying, like, God, do you know what she did to me? What he did, I can never forgive them. 
look at Jesus on the cross and say, but can you do it for me? Because of what I've done for you, you can never repay me. That's a game changer. I don't know about y'all, but if you think biblically and have a Christian biblical worldview, a gospel culture worldview, like that would change everything, no matter how people treat you or what they say to you. Because I knew before I was in Christ how messed up I was and the grace that I needed. And Jesus was kind enough for me, so I need to uh, show that same grace and forgiveness towards others. And right, so he begins to say, my joy, my, uh, my crown, like you're, you're my cause for celebration in this world. I'm so happy. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Right, and he says, in this man, right, he says, stand firm. He tells them to, to stand firm. And so I'm going to move along uh, in, in here, which is going to go, but he tells them to stand firm in this manner, right, All right in, in the Lord. Be strong in God. And he said, again, dear uh, friends, and so we get to the sisters in verse 2. It says, I urge you, Eudea, and I urge you, Sintuke, to agree in the Lord. Other translations say, which I like, it says, be of the same mind. So notice that Paul pleads with both of these sisters in the faith. He's not picking sides. He's not showing favoritism. He's urging these two, be reconciled together. Right? Be reconciled to one another. Again, based on what Jesus has done for you. Put away your personal preferences. I remember one time uh, when I was uh, reading or studying once, I heard that Mahatma Gandhi wanted to give Christianity a try, right? Because it, where they live is either you got it all or you have nothing. There's no in-between. And so he's like, let me see about this Jesus thing. So he goes to a church, and somebody, one of the door greeters said, hey, you don't belong here. He never went back to church again after that. Like, that's, that's, we dropped the ball there to witness and so what you do and how you treat each other matters. Put away your conflicts and your differences. He encourages them, like, put aside all those things. Find the common ground, which is the gospel. When you begin to think Christ-centeredly and your, your life is centered on Jesus Christ alone, it will be easy to set aside those things for the sake of the gospel. That's what's at stake. People are watching us, how we act, how we love one another, and how we live our lives. Again, but how do we... Stop having issues. How do we stop having beef with each other? How do these two sisters, how they're able to, to come to that conclusion? Again, it says, be of the same mind in the Lord. He says, yes, I, I also ask you, true partner, um, to help these women. Be of the same mind means to think the same things, to have the same attitude, have the same opinion. The sad reality is that a lot of Christians don't agree on things that we need to agree on. There's a certain way things got to be. If they don't worship the way I worship, they don't dress the way I dress, I can't get, oh, girl, look at her. She got her nails. Oh, yeah, we just talking mess about people, judge, craziness, and God can never move in that, right? Be of the same mind. When our attitude has truly been captivated by God and the Holy Spirit is flowing out of us, right? And again, the key is the preposition there, right? Uh, be, agree in the Lord, right? That's the goal. He's our Lord. We submit under the banner of Jesus Christ and we follow what he called us to follow. We live as he called us to live. That's how you're able to deal with issues. If we truly understand, hey, you are reformed, you're Calvinist, you're Pentecostal, whatever you, Baptist. Like at the end of the day, hey, we all call on the name of Jesus Christ. Let's go forward. Like what would a San Diego look like if all churches came together? And we put all our resources together. We could change this community, right? We can change everything. God will use us. The gospel changes people and people change the world. And so there's so much. Let's put away all these preferences and these thoughts and let's begin to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Verse 3 says, yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side along with Clement and the rest of my 
co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Again, so these women have lost sight of what's going on. And so you can see really the, the, the impact of what's going on. It's ca- caused division. You know, some churches split because people say, I'm with Paul. I'm with Paul. I'm with Jesus. Like, I'm walking with this pastor. I don't like this pastor. And so we just got beef. And so Paul, as the apostle under the Holy Spirit, had to deal with this directly. Like, this is the issue. It was a cancer that began to spread. And so Paul had to deal with it. Like he had to send a mediator, a go-between, to restore these people to reconciliation. God wants us to be restored to one another. Right? God wants us to operate and walk in that, right, by setting aside their differences so that they can return faithfully to serving the Lord together. Y'all, y'all with me still? Y'all hear me? Okay, the mic is tripping, so I'll, forgive me. Point number two, the pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of joy. Whatever, the pursuit of God is the pursuit of joy. If you want to be joyful, I'll just give it to you free. Go after Jesus. Nothing else in this world is going to satisfy you. Like, really. Like, it just took me a long time to realize that. Like, my mom and dad, my mom is not educated. Does not know how to read or write even in her own native language. Uh, My mom can't take me to buy Happy Meal. She ain't never had a job. She don't know how to drive. And I, 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 sometimes I look at all these other people who have money. I'm like, man, Jeff Bezos' kid's about to get, man, even 1% or 1 billion. My math is so horrible, but I'm like, that's a lot of money. And so just to see all of that, as I got older, I'm so thankful that what my mom and dad passed down to me, both who are sick and ill, is a legacy of faithfulness to the Lord in prayer. Like, I would not trade that for a billion dollars of all the money in the world. And they show me through sickness and help be faithful, stay strong in the Lord, walk in that. So that's what they passed down to me right? Not pursuing all these other things. There's nothing wrong, right? Love Jesus and do whatever you want. What I mean by that is the Lord said, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you desires of your heart. And people, oh my God, I could do this. And no, what that means is the more you read God's word and you renew your mind, the more you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to want what Jesus wants. And so because you want what Jesus wants, Jesus already prayed for to give you all these heavy blessings and you will have that. And so God wants us to have the right mind. The pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of joy. All right, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I would say rejoice. So again, uh, like, like how do we have joy? So as we look at this text, maybe again, you're standing here like, I hear you preach. I hear what you're saying, Yoni, but like, how do I have joy? How can I rejoice in the midst of difficulties? And, and maybe you guys lost someone. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe again, your money, I don't know what it is. Maybe you've been praying for something for a long season. God has not, right, in your own timetable. You know what the issue is? It's because we want God to do uh, things when we want him to do it. And when he doesn't do it, when we want it, we get upset like little babies, right? God, you understand, God is outside of time. Jesus was here yesterday to God. Like, there's nothing for him, right? He's He's outside of time. And yet we want God to do something for us. And when he doesn't do it to our own timetable, we get upset. And you know what's interesting here? Paul again begins to give us imperatives or commands, in other words. So he says, rejoice in the Lord. Let me just tell you something. When you don't rejoice in God, guess what you're doing? Three-letter word that we don't like to preach about no more. S-I-N. Oh, that's a cuss word, huh? Sin for self. Oh, my God. Yes, sin. We still believe that we're all sinners and we need the blood of Jesus. So when you don't rejoice, right, it's a command. In the Lord, you are, and you and I are sinning. And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes when I read the Bible and you stay faithful to the text, it's very sobering because I don't always rejoice. And therefore, I need to repent and say, God, forgive me for having a wrong perspective and wrong heart. It says rejoice, right, in the midst of the difficulties. Now, let me, that doesn't mean your marriage, you got divorced. Praise God, I'm divorced. No, that's not what it's saying. 
You're not looking at your problem. You're taking your focus off your problem and you're rejoicing knowing that God is doing something for your good, even though you can't see it. It literally is a cause of celebration. You rejoice at God. I don't know what you're doing in this moment. Everything looks a little crazy, but God, I'm excited about what you're going to do in this situation. Remember Joseph? God told Joseph, like right 13 years ago or so, you're going to be coming to this thing. But Jesus, before Joseph experienced all that, he went from the, the uh, before he went to the palace, he went in the pit. He was sold into slavery. I, I can imagine him like, like, what's up, God? Like, what are you doing? And so, but again, God was sending Joseph there for a reason. And when the time, fullness of time came, Joseph was able to lead in that position at the right time. But it took some time. And so, again, Paul tells us to rejoice. Paul gives us that imperative to rejoice. It's not optional. It's expected. So, again, if we don't do it, we are sinning. And here's the key. Reasons why we can rejoice is we understand that our joy does not come from our circumstances. Y'all know the difference between joy and happiness? Happiness depends on happenings. You get money, amen, you win the lotto, pray, you turn, you happy, excited, right? You got married, new job, but what happens when the money's gone? You sad. Like you're, if, you, if your joy is in your circumstances or your emotions, which fluctuate up and down, one day you're sad, one day you're happy, it's just all over the place. Joy is found in Jesus Christ alone. That's something that no one else can take away from you. When you understand that your identity stems from your relationship with God and it comes from him, you're able to have joy. Again, mind you, Paul is writing this from jail, okay? He's writing this alone, looking around, feel like no one's there with him. He's reminding us, rejoice. And here's, the, again, that prepositional phrase that's important, rejoice in the Lord. So my question to us today is, what are you rejoicing in today? Where do you get your joy from today? Your career, your good looks, relationship, right? Some of y'all are pretty and got beautiful teeth, praise the Lord. You got that Colgate smile, everything looks nice, everyone just loves you, you're so amazing, good for you. Uh, and so, do you rejoice in that? You're this amazing person, right? Or the family, your background, your ethnicity, whatever it is, do you get your joy in that? And Paul wants to shift our focus. No, you need to rejoice in the Lord, in Jesus Christ. If I could just save you a lot of heartache, it's not pursuing the things of this world that's going to happen, uh, make you happy. It's actually what your heart really wants is Jesus. Right? God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. And so many of us are going to try to go and find it in people and places and relationships and drugs and alcohol and sex and whatever. It's in Jesus that's going to give you the joy that you want. It's in him understanding so that's why Paul was so uh, blown away by this. And I'm blown away by this when I read it. Say, rejoice, literally celebrate God, not because of, of what you're going through, but because of what God is doing. All Christians will experience pain, loss, death, sickness, loneliness, heartbreak, suffering, and all sorts of troubles. But you can still rejoice in those trials because God is up to something. Let me give you something that you're probably not going to like to hear, but I got to tell you. In the Christian life, you're either in a trial, you're getting out of a trial, or you're going back into the trial. Amen? Yeah, don't ever forget that. You're either in a trial, you're getting out of a trial, you're going back into a trial. That's, that's how it works. What God has taught me, the number one way that God the Father makes you look like Christ the Son is through suffering. Amen. Let's, amen. Receive, I'm telling you. The number, because God knows there's some things he's got to chip away from your life because that does not look like my son. We got to pass through the fire. We got to go through pain. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it all joy, 
It's funny how the Bible talks. Why is it joyful I'm about to go through pain, right? Consider it great joy, rather, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So again, Paul reminds them, don't depend on your circumstances, but in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God is with you and that God is up to something for your good. We all know Romans 8, 28, right? For God works all things together, right, for good. We, we skip over 29, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's his purpose for you, that you would look like Jesus. After you get off the, 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 the testing table, God blows off the dust, and he looks at you. He does not see you, but he sees his reflection of himself in you. That's God's goal for all our life. So again, he tells him, rejoice, whatever you're dealing with. Verse 5. Um, y'all, y'all with me? I don't know if God's, I'm trusting that the Spirit's working, and some of y'all are like, man, you hitting me like a ton of bricks and let God do it, or I'm just making sure y'all with me, so we're good, okay, all right, verse 5, so it says, let your graciousness be known to everyone, the Lord is near, and so as you're going through trials and tribulations, then you're going to have people that's going to get on your nerves, amen, it's okay to say amen, if they're next to you, don't look at them, it's okay, um, and so, so while you experience hostility, and even maybe for violence for some people, because of your faith, Paul tells you, we got to have a gentle spirit. We got, we got to be kind to one another. Be gentle, not retaliate back. Some of y'all know how to clap back. Y'all know what that means? That's a, right? Before you say, you hop on Twitter, right? Subtexting people, talking mess. You know, sending text. Girl, I got to tell you something about that. We just, we just want to retaliate. No, Jesus did not do that. When we're, people mock us or make fun of us, we, 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 we bless God for that. That's actually a good thing. You remember in Acts, Acts 5, I believe, when the, when the apostles got beaten up for the faith. You know what they did? They rejoiced. Isn't that crazy? Like, I'm talking about they were beat. Like, they were beat so bad, like their back, like their actual back, the flesh is exposed, bloody and bruised for his sake. We were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Oh, my God, pandemic hit. Oh, my God, my faith, I'm being attacked. Wow, stop it, first of all, right? It's Really? Like, it's, and y'all, y'all understanding me? I'm just trying to really point the, the seriousness, of, seriousness of this. Like they were rejoicing, even they were being mocked, they were being belittled, made, made fun of. They said, don't preach in the name of Jesus. They said, family, I don't know about y'all, but we're not going to stop preaching what we have seen and what we have heard. We're going to continue doing this thing because Jesus is what the world needs. And so they begin to proclaim that. And so when you experience these things and when you're surrounded by an arena or culture that is completely against God, we must be Christ-centered, must be loving and gracious. We must respond gently. Why? Because G- the, the, the Lord is there. Jesus is coming back one day. I don't know about if you know the imminent return of Christ, meaning that Jesus is going to return. Before I say amen and close this out, we can go back to glory. Y'all ready for that? Amen. amen. Maranatha, let, it, let the Lord come. And so what I, like, that's just like those who, who, who wait on the Lord, the Bible says, you purify yourself. When you live in such a way, at any moment, the Puritans used to look outside the window and say, today could be the day the Lord is coming. Like, that changes everything, how you would talk to your spouse, how you talk to your kids, how you act at work. Some of y'all, when you leave here, be careful how you drive, cussing people out. I know how y'all, we do. It, it just changes everything. The Lord is near. And so that operates. We are able to be gentle to everyone and be kind, first of all, because God has extended that to us, but then also that the Lord is near. We can respond. A, a person is gentle who's willing to sacrifice his or own personal rights um, to show consideration to others. Point number three. I've got a few more, and we're about to wrap it up. When you worry less and pray more, you will experience the peace of God. 
When you worry less and pray more, you will experience the peace of God. So verse 6 says this, don't worry. Everybody say don't worry. Or be anxious. Anybody here worry? Maybe when we're little kids, I don't know about you. I used to be scared of the dark. This is how I was 13. My sister would have the bed ready. She knew. I was like, I'm not scared no more. I'll go, yeah, right. I would go into bed. You know, say thunderstorm will happen. I'll get out of bed. She's like, all right, come on. I was terrified of the dark. Maybe and some of us, maybe you're scared. Uh, you thought, look, you know, monsters were on your bed, whatever. You know, Disney Channel used to do some crazy stuff to us back in the 2000s. Don't look on your bed. It's a movie we used to watch, scared the mess out of me, or Michael Jackson's thriller that he was <laughs> underneath. And so we get, we get terrified a little bit. And so maybe you had that. But now as adults, we, we worry. That's, that's the monster that's under the bed, anxiety or being, being anxious. And so now Paul tells us here, don't worry. Guess what that is? That's an imperative. It's a command. So if you worry... You are sinning. Crazy, huh? You know, other, when you worry, without even knowing it, you're telling God that he's a liar. You ever thought about that? Because when you worry, you're not looking to God. You're, you're focusing on yourself, what you can do. And so because you can't handle it, you start getting mad at God. When you worry or you become anxious, it's because your eyes are not on God and what he can do. You make yourself your own little God, and you're indirectly saying, God, you're a liar. You're not faithful to your promises. The songs I sing about on Sunday, yeah, they're just songs. They're not going to really do anything. The words that are in these pages, they're not life. They're not transforming. And so you're calling God a liar. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Right? Ouch to myself too, right? You're calling God a liar. He says, don't worry about anything. That means everything. Don't worry. Rely and trust in God. So again, if we worry, we're, we're sinful. Why is it that we worry? Like if God, if we try, y'all, y'all believe that Jesus is good? Thank you, right side. Let's, let's do it all together, cohesively. Do y'all believe that God, Jesus is good? Yes, right? Then why do we doubt him? Like, that's why it's so interesting. God says, have faith like a child. When I go to my nephews and we go to Chick-fil-A, they're on the phone, on the devices. They're not sitting there, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for this meal? They know when they with me, he's going to take care of it, <laughs> right? They're not worried about bills. You, you laugh different when you were a kid. You jump different. You, build, no, you don't know what bills are. You only know Billy. What's up, Billy? Right? That's the only thing you know. And so, Bill, you're just different. And so, God wants us to operate like that. Yeah, this is not being, like, oblivious to what you're going through. It's okay. Like, God, I'm really dealing with this. So, when you don't worry means it's like getting a little box, all your stuff you're dealing with. Say, God, here, you don't sleep. The Bible says you neither sleep nor slumber. So, why am I going to waste sleep? I'm going to give that to you. I'm struggling with that. You handle that and you go to sleep, trusting that God will come through. Now, the issue is if you truly trust in Him. If you don't, then you're probably going to struggle with sleeping. But if you do trust in Him, and if we do believe God is good all the time and all the time God is good, why do we worry? Why do we stress? Why do we worry? And so He said, don't worry about anything, but right in everything, right through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And so we got to change our perspective. That's how we not worry. Anybody go to the gym? Gym people, pandemic messed me up. I used to look a lot better than I do now, but it's okay. Uh, when you're at the gym, like when I do the Stairmaster, when you're on the treadmill, maybe you're like me. You're like, oh, my God, it's been two minutes. It feels like three million years. Are you like that? And you're just struggling. It's because you're focusing on the time. But when you look at the TV, amen, when you put on Spotify, you... 
Hey, girl, what you doing? Like, he's, everything, is, you, you're doing good, right? You're killing it. You, and, but because you're not focusing on the pain or the problem, your, your direction is focused on something else. And so the same way, when you're worrying or going through something like you're in the, in the gym, right, take your eyes. Hebrews says, fixing our gaze on Jesus. Stop looking at your problem. Don't be oblivious to it. But look to Jesus, the author and perfect of your faith, and say, God, you take care of it. And so when you look at to him, right, it, it changes everything. We sometimes, I don't travel much, but when I go on an airplane and I look down, everything looks just so flat. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's God's perspective. That's like, this is y'all nothing, right? It's nothing. We're just nothing but dust. And so imagine if I'm looking from a plate, a plane with, you know, 30,000 feet elevation, imagine God who's in heaven. It's nothing, God. It's nothing is too hard for God. Nothing's impossible. So don't worry about a shift. Your focus on him. I said, but everything with prayer and supplication. So Paul says, don't be anxious. And again, when we worry, we should take that as God's way of calling us and saying, my child, it's time to pray. Why is that as Christian the last, maybe you're like me, the last thing you do is pray. Talk to mom and daddy, which is good, your friend, your pastor, everything. And I think, all right, let me try Jesus. <laughs> or just me, I don't know. Maybe y'all more holier than me, that's good. Uh, but like Jesus is the last resort. We don't go to scripture, the last thing. We are. Right, let me try this God thing. My pastor said he's good, okay, let's see. And so it's the last thing we do. We need to focus our eyes on Jesus, not on ourselves and what we can accomplish, but on Christ alone. Amen. We quiet. All right, y'all still with me? Um, and so that's what God has been teaching us. We need to stop worrying and focus on him. So petition. Is, and not, only, not only do we, uh, we um, stop doing that, but we shift our focus. We pray to God. Prayer, again, is relational communication with God. We talk to him. Petition is when you pray, be specific to God. This is not the time to say, God, please bless this meal. Let it, you know, bless, you know, so-and-so. Be specific with what you're dealing with. Repent of any sins you have. And be specific. Say, God, in this situation, you need to help me. Keep it 100. Where we come from, we say, keep it a buck with God. Be honest. Tell him everything that you're dealing with. And don't do it without a heart of thanksgiving. Worship God as if he did it. Amen? Praying for mom who's struggling with cancer or something, and God doesn't do it. God is still good. Amen? I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. Jesus is still on the throne. God is still good. And with the thanksgiving, how we say, God, I don't know why you did it, but I'm trusting in your sovereignty, and I know that you are a better God than I am, so I rejoice in what you're going to do. And so that's with the thanksgiving, how we begin to focus not on the problem but on God, and we're inviting God to our specific need in this moment. Whew. Man, I told you I got to time myself, bro. Like, I feel like I've been talking for two minutes. Y'all still good? I'm going to wrap this up. I know I'm hot. I don't know if y'all see me sweating, but... I, told, I can talk. Talking is a problem for me. Hebrews eleven six says, Now without faith it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he reward, rewards those who seek him. So we need to commit our problems to God. Prayer is the antidote to worry. When you worry, begin to pray. Begin to ask God, invite him in. Someone once said, anxious in nothing, prayerful in everything, and thankful for anything. Verse 7 and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to have peace in the midst of calmness. That's why you can have people who are dying on a deathbed. Nurses come, oh, my God, why are you smiling? Because God is good. Like, when you understand that when you die, it, it's just like you're just being tr uh, transported, if I could use that, to another place. Like, this is not the end. Like, life really starts when you die. You know that? Like life truly starts when we die, we cross over to the other side. And the peace of God, which all passes all understanding. One time there's a plane, people are flying 
Turbulence was crazy. I don't know if you ever experienced that. That's one of my deepest fears because I cannot control, like, this is like literally, we're on air. And they're freaking out, everyone's screaming, and like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? And Captain gets on the megaphone, like, this is your captain speaking. I know it's a little tough, but we're in communication with the people. Don't worry, like, we've driven, uh, we've done this many times before, you're in good hands. And because the people heard, come on somebody, they heard the voice of God, they were able to have peace. Now, their situation didn't change, but the word of God came into their situation and began to give them peace. And so the peace of God will, 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 will surpass, will, it will begin to blow your mind, if you will. Like, people will begin to look at you like, how are you so joyful in this moment? Like, how can you be so happy? Girl, didn't you see? He just left him. They said this about you. You lost your job. They're written you up. Like, you lost everything. Like, all that is a pile of manure, like Paul says, right? That is compared nothing to gaining Christ. All these momentarily light afflictions, Romans 8, compares to nothing in knowing Jesus. Like, if you think eternally... Like 70 years on earth, we're just on a speck on the line. Like Jesus is from the beginning to the end. Imagine 50 billion years from now, you're walking into heaven with Jesus. What's up, man? Remember back in UC? What is UC? I don't remember that. Like I know you. Like all the names going to fade. Only Jesus is going to stand. So be faithful. God is good. And the benefits are amazing. Eternal life with him, ruling with him, reigning with him if you suffer with him. So in other words, you will experience calm in the midst of chaos when you pray. And I love this. It says... Um, Verse 7, and he will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That word guard is literally, Paul uses a military term. It's like he's bringing the Navy seal. When you begin to pray according to verse 6 without worrying and stop freaking out, say, God, show up in this situation. Like God is sending Navy seals to block your mind from all those negative thoughts. Isn't that dope? Like literally every negative, just, I don't know what he's doing, but like he's just protecting you and blocking you. From all those stats from coming in your mind, they say it will guard your heart. There's a military post, so you'll not be able to go outside of that to protect. And so that's how the peace of God works, to protect the mind from external uh, corrupting influences, to keep uh, the mind focused on God's truth. That's why we got to keep the helmet of salvation on. That's why we got to keep on the full armor of God. Isaiah 26, 3-4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Just look to Jesus, family. Pray to him. Trust in him. Get with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what I do. Like, I'm struggling. Like, God, like, help me. You need people to pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. You need the body of Christ. Do me a favor. Look, I don't know if y'all ever done this before, so be, just be kind to me. Like, look to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I need you. Can y'all do that for me? Look to someone. Say, I need you. Amen. We, 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 we need each other. Amen. Like, Jesus had 12 disciples, and in that 12, he had three close homies. Like, who are we not to, to not have anybody? Like, we need, right? You will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Keep your minds on Jesus. Verse point number four, as I get ready to wrap this up. Dwell and meditate on things that are worthy of praise. Now, if you pray according to verse six without worrying, with thanksgiving, you get the peace of God, calmness in the midst of your chaos, but some of us, right, we, amen, we laugh and we good. We get outside this door, an hour later, guess what hits us again? Anxiety, worry. Why? Don't focus on the wrong things. You can, you, when you focus and meditate, literally dwell means to hang out with people in places that are in opposition. I don't know what y'all listen to, right? I, some of us, we listen to different, like social media, I like to call it TikTok theology. Hop on there, like you don't listen, to, any fool can hop on social media now and just go live, right? 
Back in the day, you needed to be like peer-to-peer review. It's got to be tested. Now anybody can just hop on and say, listen to me, right? Crazy. Be mindful what you let your kids listen to, even yourself. Protect your mind. And so dwell on the things. So when you hear this good word from God, when you go out there, be careful what you're allowing into your mind. The Netflix shows you watch, the seeds that are planted, oh, it ain't that bad. No, don't. Run away from it. Ask yourself, this thing that I'm watching, what I'm listening to, this hanging out with these friends at this place doing this thing, is this worthy of praiseworthy? Does this make me worship and praise God? If no, you got to leave. Amen. You cannot stay and hang out there. You've been called out of darkness to proclaim his marvelous light. You cannot live how you used to live. We're new creations in Christ. Amen. Y'all catching on. Amen. That's good. He said, finally, right, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good, just focus and dwell on these things. Don't lose the peace of God. Keep your focus on him. Don't entertain messages that go in opposition to the gospel. Even you yourself, right? Like I said, no one talks to you more than you do. You renew your mind daily. How does that happen? By reading this book. This is the living word of God. They may tell you in the college campus, this is archaic, this is man-made. If someone ever tells you, why would I read that man-made book? If they give you a book in class by some author, like if some professor, why should I read that book? That was written by a man. I'm crazy enough to do that, but don't, don't do that. And so just look to him. Like focus your mind on things that is good. Because what you think about matters, just in case you didn't know that. Because if you have a, 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 a filthy mind and it comes from there, your behavior will be filthy. As a man thinketh, so he will be, the Bible says. Remember Adam and Eve? As husbands, Adam screwed up big time. Husbands, you know what I'm saying? Make sure you, you, you write with your wife and we're doing the right things. Eve is there. The Bible says that Satan talked to her and she was like, uh, God said, don't touch. Now she added to the Bible and doing other stuff. And says, as she looked and gazed on it and thought about it, right, started in the mind. And then she drew towards it. She ate, her husband ate, and then sin entered the world. Be careful what you allow in your mind. The Bible, we, mo- we may all be familiar with this verse, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a daily thing. Ephesians 5.18, one of my verses I pray every day. God, fill me today. Every day that you can be filled with the Spirit of God. Because like, we, we need it. Jesus was good Saturday. Amen. He was even good on Monday last week. But this today, God, I need you. Tomorrow? <laughs> like, Lord, I need you. That, we should not be like the rest of the world. You know how people trip when it's Monday, all oh, back to work. Like, no, that's not our mindset. Our joy is not in the weekend. It's in Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, that's a little weak. We'll try to get Our joy is not in the weekend. It's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You should, you should joy. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In order to have joy, you have to rejoice and make sure your joy is coming from the right person and not the wrong thing. Verse 9, it says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. So again, Paul sets himself as an example. Paul was someone who was shipwrecked, lost everything, beaten, persecuted for his faith, struggled through so many things. And again, he's reminding them. He's someone who's qualified to speak about this. Even in writing this, he was un, uh, uh, uncertain about his future. He didn't know what was going to happen. But yet he was trusting in, in Jesus, the one who's trustworthy, to get him to where he needs to go. And so Paul begins to write, you've seen how I live my life. Ask yourself, maybe if you're married and you have kids, are you able to tell your kids, follow me as I follow Christ? Or will you be too afraid to do that? Because how you act at church is different than how you act at home. If you're amen, if you're, again, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Trust me, I know. You act one way, you leave out here, you ridicule your spouse, you talk about your girl, you say some no gospel centeredness, no love, no forgiveness, no patience, no peace, no kindness. 
no, no, no uh, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Paul tells them, right? And this, again, it's like a discipleship. What you've learned. I mean, you've got to invite people to be in close quarters with you, which you have seen me do. They've seen Paul. You've seen how I struggle. Philippians won the, the, the poorest churches in the church, uh, in church during this time, and they were supporting and they were partnering with him. That's another theme in the book. They, they partnered with him. And he wants to, again, focus on their mind, right living results from right thinking. And so it's important how we live. And so, again, notice the change. It says, when you pray, right, in verse 7, the peace of God with you. And then notice the change here as I close verse 7. It says, do uh, uh, what you have seen and learned and heard from me. And then what? The God of peace will be, be with you. So when you pray, right, and with thanksgiving heart, you get God's peace in the midst of chaos. But when you begin to think rightly and live right and, and still continue from that flow, you don't only get the peace of God, you get God, you get his person, you get him with you, Emmanuel, God who dwells with us. Isn't that dope? Even if you feel all alone in the world, you have the Holy Spirit of God, right? God himself living with you. You're never alone. You have the body of Christ. Don't allow the enemy to, to, to detour you from that reality. You know, at least our culture, millennials, we like to talk, no new friends, I don't need nobody. That is from the pits of hell. I'm going to say that is wrong thinking. You need people in your life. You need, a, a, you need a, a prophet like Nathan to be like, you trip, you need to repent. Go apologize to your wife. Girl, you need to forgive him. Don't go to girls who tell you to wrong things. Have gospel-centered conversation. Have godly community with you, people that can encourage you in the faith. And when you do this, you get God's peace. You get him. So in that example I used earlier with the airplane, they spoke over the, the, the pilot spoke over the people and said you, they heard his voice and they were still, they were a little bit calm. And eventually they're still driving, tur uh, turbulence a little crazy. Now the pilot comes out. Everybody's like, bro, if you ain't driving, I don't know about that. That's how I think. Yeah, who's flying the plane? Right? They're all freaking out. And then the pilot's coming out there laughing with people, high five, and everyone's just joyful. But again, there's still turbulence. At first, they heard the pilot's voice, right? They heard God's voice. They're the peace. And then not only that, now when you operate and function in a biblical way, you pray right with a thanksgiving heart, you're kind, you're gentle. Now you get God's peace and his presence, his personhood with you. And so now everyone's laughing and, and jumping around and hollering and they're excited. What changed, right? It's because God now showed up in their midst. And so that may that be for us. I don't know, again, what you're going through, all the pain. Learn to fix your eyes on Jesus. Right? I often say be a cross-eyed Christian. Not like cross-eyed, like the cross, C-R-O-S-S. -S. Be a cross-eyed Christian. Focus on him, looking to him. Fix your gaze on him, right? Let him be your refuge and your fortress. Amen? Y'all been so good. I'm almost an hour. This is, y'all, I can, I'm so sorry. You told me, you said preach. I, I told you I could preach. It literally felt like five minutes, but that, like, that's just my heart. This is what I'm dealing with, and I just wanted to share that with y'all. Like, really rejoice. And so I know so later on he's going to call people to come up here to pray for you and um, get prayed for. If you really need prayer, I don't know if that's me, but I don't think so. Like, if you need prayer, like, come. Don't be ashamed. We all need prayer. I think they're going to have eventually once we do communion and we pray and worship, we're going to have people who's going to pray for you. Get prayed for. Some ask, say, Lord, pray for me that the joy of the Lord, that I will, that, uh, the joy of my salvation will come back to me. Right? Satan has sometimes has even like, done stuff to us and taken away our joy. It's time for us right, to get it back. Not that he can actually take it. We just got a wrong focus. And so that's my prayer and challenge to you. I know I made y'all stand again. I'm a little bit old school. Can we stand and end in prayer? 
Is that me? That's okay. All right. I'm, I'm, my bad. I'm preaching long. I'm breaking y'all's sound system. See, look. I'm, I'm hearing this from the Lord. It's, every time I preach like this, something goes wrong. I don't, we, Satan, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. We're going we to still do this thing. Whether all the static stuff happens, we're going to still continue to, um, oh, you need me to use that. Man, I'm breaking stuff. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pay for you guys, so I'm sorry. All right. See, that's why I needed this. All right, do me a favor. Since we are a family and body of Christ, what I like to do, if it's okay, if you wash your hands, your hands clean, can you hold each other's hands? There's nothing magical that's going to happen, but I just want, like, we're a family. This is what I like to do. And I want to encourage you, as I pray, if you're going through something right now, as I'm praying, squeeze the person's hand next to you. You ain't got to tell them nothing. Let God lead them. And just pray, like, bro, sis, pray for me. I need it. And so I'm just going to pray over you guys, and you guys, as I'm praying, pray for the person next to you. It's okay. God is amazing. He can hear all of us. That's how dope our God is. And so let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you again for this opportunity um, and just the privilege that they would allow me uh, at Grace City, God. So thankful for the, um, my family here and what you're doing, God. I pray in this, in this season that some of us may be in. God, we rejoice even for... Uh, um, the good of some of us have come out of things and things are going well. In Jesus' name, we, we celebrate that, God. We, we rejoice in the good that's happening. And for some of us who are maybe walking through a difficult season, I pray in the, by the blood of Jesus Christ that you will begin to feel joy what the enemy tried to take away. God, I pray that you restore their minds in Jesus' name, God, that you remove every wicked thought, everything that is not of you right now in this moment, God. We ask, heaven, that you would come and speak, God, life and remind people, God, whose they are, God, and who they are in you, Lord. That we belong to you, Lord Jesus, that we're loved by you. We know this because you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, God. That we can have joy in the midst of chaos, God. That we can have peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. And so I pray whoever needed to hear that message, God, even if it was just for one person here today, God, it was well worth it, God. Heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. And so, Lord, I'm so thankful. I pray with my brothers and sisters, God, that you would remind them of your goodness. Despite what they're going through, God, remind them that there's more than meets the eye, God. There's a supernatural realm, God, that have, you are working behind the scenes. God, you're always up to something. And so, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We worship you. We celebrate you, King Jesus, for all that you have done, Lord. And help us, God, I, I ask that you would forgive me, forgive us for moments where we did not rejoice because we didn't get our way. Or when we doubt, maybe some of us, you know, anxiety, we deal with that. That's okay, that's a human thing, but help us to learn to bring that to the foot of the cross, that Jesus can change our circumstance and situation. If we need other extra help, God, you're, it's okay. You're not against that, Lord. And so we thank you again for all that you have done. Lord, by faith, I'm believing and praying that, God, you have been glorified here today. And so thank you again for everything. In your name I pray, all who agree, say amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.